beginning. Welcome to the Grief Dreams Podcast, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in and your willingness to listen to another episode. We're always grateful. We have a special episode today. This is the Mother's Day episode. We've done the Father's Day episodes before with the one and only Darwin Dave. And guess what? He's back today, folks. We got Darwin Dave here from episode 18, 37, 75, 99. If you want more information on the man, and he is the host of the Dealing With My Grief podcast. And on top of Darwin, we actually have another guest too, which is Shelby Frithincia. And she comes from episode 52. And she's an intuitive grief guide. And she's also the podcast host of Coming Back, Conversations of Life After Loss. And she's also the one that helped fix the website way back when. So I want to say thank you both for coming on and doing this Mother's Day episode uh, with us. I know with Mother's Day, you know, fast approaching, I still have my mom around, but I know both of you have lost yours. So thank you for coming on and sharing and willing to share your story on some of the stuff that you've learned along the way. Thanks for having us, man. I, I'm excited about this episode. Yeah, I am too. Um, Mother's Day is a wonky thing in grief. And that's in one sentence. That's how I'll describe that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a wonky thing. All right. So I think the we could start just talking about Mother's Day, like in general, like why, you know, why was this day even, I guess, invented? Like, what's the purpose of this day? Like, what do you guys think? You know, I actually don't know the historical roots of Mother's Day. I could actually Google that right now <laughs> um, and find out. It looks like celebrations of mothers and motherhoods can be trained trace back to the ancient Greeks and Romans who held festivals in honor of the mother goddesses. Uh, Mother's Day is the early Christian festival known as Mothering Sunday. So it sounds like it developed from a lot of like cultural and religious traditions married together, just honoring the figure of mother in society. And now, of course, like what most of us know it as is like a Hallmark holiday of like another reason to buy a card, another reason to buy flowers, another reason to you know, maybe go out to brunch or to dinner or to spend money on uh, somebody that you really love. I know um, that in my own world for Mother's Day, I don't actually remember a lot of Mother's Days growing up. My mom never made a big deal about it. I think her her dream in life was to be a mom. And she told my sister and I that a lot, uh, is that the one thing that she wanted to be growing up was a mom. And so having the two of us around was like, even on bad days was a fulfillment of her dream. And we would remind her of that on a regular basis, especially if we were like throwing tantrums, like you wanted this, you wanted to be a mom. <laughs> on Mother's Day, if I had to guess, we probably did something akin to breakfast in bed or, you know, not requiring that she shuttle us anywhere or be obligated to do anything. I do remember once in college, I think either for her birthday, which is in March, or for Mother's Day, or for both, I very, very vividly remember sending flowers to her office. And she was not a, she was not a gifts person, but I'm a gifts person. And so that's kind of how I spoke my love to her when I was away at school. But uh, I don't know, we just always had this, this appreciation for her as a mom. But also, I wish we would have done more on Mother's Day. Looking back now, I wish I had some more solid memories to latch onto for that day. Yeah, it's interesting when you when you look at just Mother's Day in general. Like I had to reflect on that a little bit before this episode. It's like, okay, what is this about for for mothers? You know, like what is this all for? And I think, you know, a part is to celebrate them. 
because they they get you know I'm I know I did I took advantage of my mom a lot in the sense of not giving her a lot of praises every day <laughs> you know I don't know if that happens to you guys too like you just you're in your own world you know and like they're just supposed to be there and it's nice to have like a day to be able to remember that you have a mom and what she's done that is that true Darwin is that like same for you it's like well you know when I'm trying to think if I can remember back to Mother's Days after my father passed away, it was usually uh, me giving her a card and spending a lot of time with family. So my mother is one of four girls, and growing up, you know, they were and still are the ones that are living are very close, and that all centered around my grandmother. So as a matriarch of the family, they would either do something for my grandmother, or we all would. And we'll sort of celebrate together. I, I've spent at this point more time away from my mother on Mother's Day than I did with her. So when I was in the Army and then subsequently uh, here from D.C., it would either be about sending flowers or buying and mailing a gift. And I did happen to be with her on the very last Mother's Day that she was alive. And one of her favorite things was ice cream. So we would go to a local, a St. Louis local frozen custard shop uh, called Ted Drew's and she would eat her heart out in terms of frozen custard. So that was something that she liked to do. It was just, you know, making those small memories, which was okay. I guess for me, I spent a lot of time specifically uh, around Mother's Day, but between Mother's Days, making sure that I stayed out of trouble. I mean, I had a very clear awareness at a very early age that my mother was doing a lot of heavy lifting. So the more or the less, I should say, she had to worry about me, the better. So I just tried to stay out of trouble and stay out of her way. So I, that like, doesn't mean I was perfect, but yeah. That's I'd like to ask, what kind of trouble did you get into? What was your, your go well, <laughs> well, okay. So when I say staying out of trouble, I, I grew up in a place where and I won't say I don't I don't mean to say that the neighborhood itself was bad, but I lived in a place where uh, you had crime of opportunity. So if you left your bicycle outside at night on your front lawn, you shouldn't expect it to be there if you woke up in the morning. There was a presence in a couple of different places that um, a couple of friends of mine, at least, were frequent and at least family members, where there was a drug culture. So I knew that. Underage drinking for me was off the table. Anything that could land me in like major trouble that my friends were doing or that I had other family members doing, I realized that that stuff for me was off the table at a very early age. So the less trouble I could stay out of, or the more trouble I could stay out of, the easier it would be on mom. Now, that doesn't mean that I didn't go places I wasn't supposed to go or do things I wasn't supposed to do. It was just those things I considered, I guess at the time, that would be harmless if I got caught. Mm. Yeah, well, that's kind of you to uh, settle down for your mom on Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> Such a sweet kid you are. <laughs> and so like, it's interesting because I, I look at that and, you know, like reflecting on your mom. And, and I remember as a kid, like I think, too, as as I got older, I valued the day less. It's like as a kid, I was really because the schools really promoted a lot. And so mm-hmm. you get to make your own card, you know, as a kid I used to do like the macaroni you know, or the, the spaghetti, right? Like you'd make like Mother's Day card and you put a handprint on. Right. And like, like that is, I think, you know, really 
really special for kids to be able to make something and give it to their moms and, and basically think about, you know, why I love you. I remember that. It's like, I love my mom because <laughs> it's like, you list like three things. That's something that I, I wish that schools were more sensitive about uh, is doing like Mother's Day, Father's Day, parental leaning activities, because like, I, I think the statistic elementary to high school is one in seven kids, or maybe it's one in 17. It's something with the number seven in it. But there's a pretty high statistic of kids that either does not have a, a parent in the picture or will actually lose a parental figure to death in the early years of their life. And so I've had a couple of podcast guests on the show be like, oh, yeah, it was heartbreaking to have to do something like a father daughter dance when her father wasn't around. And so for the school to sanction something that's so um, potentially triggering in the aftermath of grief, I'm like, I wish they almost wouldn't do that. But yet I remember doing all these activities too. There's like the little handprint that you paint into a flower bouquet or um, the, the, what do you call it? The, the anagrams or the things where you list mother down the side of the page and then you have to do something that starts with M-O-T-H-E-R uh, for all of her wonderful qualities. And I remember doing things like that, but looking back now, I'm like, I'm wondering who was this not applicable for or didn't have somebody in their life that they could call mom. So it's just interesting to look at how how schools and even like Hallmark still assumes that, oh, all of you must have a mother. I'm like, mm, that's not <laughs> it's not the case anymore, unfortunately. Right. Well, you yeah. know, but you when you talk about that, though, and I'm just thinking the school that I went to, specifically um, the high school I went to, was pretty much all about boys and their fathers. But we did have a lot of son, a mother-son event. And usually those are during the week in the evenings. And my mother never attended any of those only because, well, she was working and she made it very clear when I would ask her if she wanted to go to some of those that she just couldn't afford to take the time off. So yeah, you're right. So sometimes even if you have somebody in the picture, they may not be able to attend for, you know, any various sundry reasons. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Uh, whether or not schools or, or directors of these programs are weighing things because not every, just like not every student is the same, not every parent or parent schedule is the same either. Right. Their ability right. to, to be able to show up, whether they're actually deceased or they're working or, or they're a single parent or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's really interesting because I, I understand the value of that, especially in a school system um, and value for the mom but you're right like i know i've heard people on mother's day uh getting bullied because they didn't have a mom to give a card to and so people would bully them on that day and it'd just be a very triggering holiday i think we'll talk more about that you know uh, later on but it's just like this is why we're talking about it now you know like it's not something i think they get rid of because there is a lot of benefit to it it's just being able to work with both people who have moms and people who don't on that day it's like what can you do on that day for them and i think that that's sort of a you know a, a discussion question for sure in the sense of you know what do you do do they write a letter to their or do a card still to their mom but you know they bring it to the gravesite. Like, i don't know what your thoughts on on that is for children on mother's day what they do you know what i i think that that's something that should be discussed it's almost like attending uh, whatever funeral or memorial service you may have, I think that there should be an option maybe to say that I was thinking about doing X, Y, and Z. How comfortable would you feel about that? Uh, 
I think everyone has to be given an opportunity to get in touch with their feelings and maybe an expectation of maybe what that's going to look like or what's going to be expected. And then if it's something that becomes too overwhelming, you know, depending on their relationship with that person, then they should be able to opt out of it, I believe, at any particular time, point in time that they, they choose. I think that was perfectly phrased uh, because you can definitely, especially teachers or teachers assistants can, you know, pull a kid aside, not in an obvious way, but be like, this is what the rest of the class is getting ready to do. If you want to participate, this is the the list of things that will happen. This is what we're going to be involved in. But if you wouldn't like to participate or if you'd like to do something different, you have full permission to opt out, whether you want to, you know, go hang out read a book for a while or go join a recess group in another class with this teacher or whatever that would look like or go to study hall for an hour what have you but just the permission to to see what's going to happen know like the consequences or be able to weigh it and then be able to choose to opt out too i think kids in grief you know everything like darwin said from attending a funeral memorial ceremony this is what's going to happen here's who's going to be here we wear black because xyz you can opt in or opt out having the information and then allowing would you like a or b they're pretty capable of doing that at a at a young age i know uh, josh was talking about things that were triggering and i can actually tell a story from my mother's day last year and um i'm 26 right now. So I was 25 last year. I lost my mom at 21. So it was my fourth Mother's Day without her. And I decided one of the tips that I give my community of podcast listeners who I call my grief growers, uh, I say, if you know you've got an anniversary or a hard day or something coming up, one of the best things you can do is plan in advance and not because you want to structure out how the day is going to go. It just gives you something to aim for. And so you can kind of get as close as you can. And if you can't chalk it up to grief and you did the best you could on that day. And so for Mother's Day, I always uh, try and go buy flowers in honor of my mom. And then I'll go have a pizza because that was the last meal that she was able to eat when she was alive. Uh, And so for a lot of the the special occasions on her death anniversary, Mother's Day on her birthday, I'm like, I'm gonna go have a pizza because that's not something I regularly like do in my daily life is eat pizza. So it's like a special food that reminds me of her. And I went into this flower shop and I picked out, you know, my own bouquet and they let you select your own flowers and blah, blah, blah. And I walked into this room that was adjacent to the flower shop where a lot of the employees were working. And granted, Mother's Day is the second busiest holiday in the floral industry. Valentine's Day is the first, Mother's Day is the second. So this place was hopping. Um, But there were these two people joking around with each other about how they wish their moms were dead so they wouldn't have to buy them anything for Mother's Day. And I just stopped like a cold wave just went over my entire body. And I could tell they thought it was so funny that neither of their moms were dead, like that it was just such a nonchalant thing. And I stood there with these flowers in my hand and I was like, I cannot believe you just said that. And I couldn't say anything. Like I was just so frozen in that space. I was like, you, you would not know what to do if that actually happened in your life. You have no idea what this is like. And the fact that they said it on Mother's Day, I was just like, I cannot believe I could not believe my ears. I just, I was just awash in, I was planted to the floor for like a solid minute, just staring at them. I'm surprised they didn't see me just staring bores into the side of their head. And uh, I never went back to that flower shop again. Cause I was like, it's, it's not, if you can't be sensitive to that on a holiday where a lot of people are, are grieving and buying flowers for sad reasons, as opposed to happy ones, 
you know, I mean, essentially you don't deserve my business, which is like a, a hard line to draw, but there are, especially in Chicago, there's so many other places to get flowers. But, but after that, I did go have a pizza. And that's actually a very cool story about Mother's Day because I went to my favorite pizza shop in Chicago, which if any listeners live there, it's called Denoto and it's on Wells Street in Old Town. And he's one of three people in the entire city of Chicago who has gone to Italy and gotten a license specifically to make a Neapolitan pizza, like a trillion way. And it is just like a super thin crust with like pools of olive oil on top. And it's so good. And I, I tucked myself in this little seat by the window with these flowers I had just bought from the shop. And uh, the server comes over to me and I said, I just want to thank you guys for being open today. And he's like, you want to hear something funny as we weren't supposed to be. And I said, oh, why not? And he said, well, one of our new hostesses accidentally took like two or three reservations on this day. And our owner decided instead of canceling them and just telling people that, oh, I'm so sorry, we made a mistake. We're not actually open for Mother's Day, that our owner would bring in his wife and his entire family and then their next door neighbor and their family to celebrate Mother's Day here. And I look across the restaurant and there's this table of 12 all opening wine and having pizza and celebrating with each other. And it turns out it was the owner of the restaurant, his wife and kids, and then uh, a friend of the family that was there as well. And they just decided to move their entire Mother's Day to the restaurant so they could stay open for people like me who had made reservations to come celebrate. And so to have that occur immediately after the flower shop incident, I was like, you know, it's, it's riding the waves of grief. And I was just so that says a lot to the fact that it's like a family owned business and not a corporate space, but also just like the owner recognizing the importance of Mother's Day for some people. That's cool. Did did anybody come over and say anything to you? No, just my server. Um, okay. But the owner knows me now because one of the restaurants that I work for during the day is actually less than three blocks away. So every time I come in, I wave at him. <laughs> oh, that's great, um, man. That's awesome. But, uh, but no, the server told me that story, and I was just like, this is pretty incredible. Because mm. for the most part, you know, having holidays off is a rarity in the restaurant industry. So if a hostess made a mistake and was like, oh, crap, I took three reservations when I wasn't supposed to, most restaurants would call people cancel and shut down to have that day off with their families. Because, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, things like that most restaurants don't take off. Uh, but to say, hey, family, we're moving our whole celebration here because we made a mistake. Like, I don't know. It was a it was a pretty big deal. I thought it was very cool. So now uh, for Mother's Day, is that, a, is that a day that you would normally have off or do you request Mother's Day off? I request Mother's Day off now, but with the job that I do, I'm no longer, more or less, I'm no longer waitressing on the floor of the restaurant where I work, but I am in their marketing office and kind of do a lot with presentation and decor. So I get to design flowers for that day. And then I go in the morning of like at eight or nine o'clock in the morning and set everything up and then uh, kind of go about the rest of my day. It's hard being in the restaurant industry on Mother's Day though, because you see all these, like a room full of tables of happy families that are still, and God knows, I don't know their whole story, but the, yeah. from the outside, they all look quote unquote intact. and. That's a, that's a tricky thing to wrestle with. So I'm kind of more or less grateful to be somebody who comes and sets up in the morning now, as opposed to someone who is, you know, really taking orders and delivering drinks and really in the thick of all of it, because it has been very triggering in the past to be a waitress on Mother's Day and just table after table after tables, just happy families and moms. Yeah. What a, what a bad job to have on Mother's Day. 
<laughs> like, like all the it's mom, tricky like, on most holidays yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. because they would normally be holidays that I celebrate with my mom or with my family. Um, so it's an interesting. So to everyone who's who's out there in the in the restaurant or the floral industry or any other industry where you're serving people on a holiday where you miss your person, I'm I'm really sorry and I empathize with you. Uh, it's something that I've done. I mean, I've been waiting tables since I was 15 years old. So the concept of working on holidays isn't new. But after my mom died when I was 20 one they started carrying this whole other weight i was like oh not only am i working on a day when most of my friends have off now i have to see everybody else with their quote unquote intact families i'm curious did that change over time because it's been almost what, five years now so five mother's you days know, five mother's days well i'll t- tell you the first mother's day was actually the day that I graduated from college. And that was probably mm. the hardest one by far. Uh, wow. I believe the date was May 10th, 20. And if I'm remembering correctly, it was May something, but definitely in 2014, because she died December of 2013. And it was less than six months after she died. And what happened was that because my mom could not come to see me graduate college, all of my aunts, a couple like my grandmother and the the man she married and um, a bunch of extended family relatives all flew in and stayed in town to watch me graduate. And it was so hard. I mean, it was so kind of them, but it was also so hard because in the back of my mind, I'm like, the only reason you're actually physically here is because my mom is dead. Like you would not have flown out here to see me graduate if my mom was not dead. Um, And so it was a a really tricky, hard balance between I'm so grateful you're here and I get to hug you and see you, but also none of you is big enough to fill this hole. And my parents, uh, a lot of people know from listening to my podcast that my dad suffered two brain aneurysms about two years before my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer and died. So there was a period there um, where I thought that both of my parents were going to die. And their biggest wish for my sister and I during that four-year period that both of us stay in school. So to have the culmination of my parents' wish graduation be that we both stay in school, we get our degrees, et cetera, et cetera. And for her not to be there for that after all the crap we'd been through um, was was really difficult because I was still walking across stage. I'm like, this is what you wanted me to do. And now you're dead. And that really stinks. Um, and uh, and frankly, the whole the whole day was kind of a blur. It did not go how I had wanted it to go. I wanted her to be there and to see it and um, be a part of it. But it was one of those things where it was like one of the first big occasions that we celebrated without her. And so, I don't know, we did like the best we could with the day we had. But I got to tell you, my energy and my internal dialogue that was going on that day was a big cross between like rage and numbness and ah oh man, what a ripoff. So now I'm curious, is that just a, because I'm going to go through this for the first time in a couple of weeks. Uh, for me, when grief hits me, it's more like uh, I spend a day thinking about it before it happens. The day comes and the next day I'm sort of out of that funk. Is that like a, is that just a Mother's Day thing? How do you feel when you wake up on Monday? Like the Monday after Mother's Day? Yeah. Hmm. 
I don't know that I've ever like made a point to record that before in my brain or like keep track of it. Probably if I had to guess, even as I'm getting to the end of Mother's Day, I'm like, well, I survived another one. It's kind of that. Um, it's very matter of fact. Okay. And I almost get permission to, to put it away for another 365 days. I'm like, oh, good. I don't have to look at that again for another 365 days. Right. So it's probably a combination of like being very matter of fact, like, oh, it's done. And then relief that it's over. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I, I've never thought to record that in my brain before. Well, this year will be the first, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I, I think I, it's really interesting how you do have uh, a tradition in what you do every Mother's Day, ordering the pizza and the flowers. Where do you bring the flowers? Is it to your grave or do you just bring them inside your home in memory of her? They go inside my home and I actually wish that I had a grave. Um, that's something that I didn't really consider after my mom died. It was it was my idea after she died, she had uh, like a bucket list of things that she wanted to do after, um, after her cancer went into remission. Uh, and one of those was go to the Redwoods in California. She was just always enamored by these huge trees. And she's like, there's trees so big, you can drive a car through them. And she was just amazed by these huge living things out on the West coast. And it was something that she and my dad were planning to do probably in the next five years or so, but then she died. And so she had all these things that she didn't get to accomplish. And so I proposed to my dad and my sister the first year after she died, what if we took her cremains, which we had from the funeral home and we scattered them out in the redwoods as like a final ode to where she would have liked to have been. And, uh, and so we have no physical marker anywhere of her, body or like a grave site or a garden or like anything. And it's it's kind of a goal of mine as I get older and, and potentially buy a house or something like that to have a physical place on my property where I can like go and be with her while I know that she's always with me. I would love to have like a stone in a garden or like a special flowering rose bush or something that like reminds me of her so I can just go sit near it um, and feel even closer to her. But for the most part, the flowers just come home with me for now until later um yeah yeah is there is there a specific flower that you always buy that reminds you of her or is just any flowers uh any flowers she liked daffodils a lot which are going out of season in may so you can sometimes get them and sometimes not but daffodils like that first sign of spring there was a, a yard near our house in probably March or April in North Carolina that would just explode with daffodils. It looked like somebody rolled out a yellow carpet like all across their yard. Uh, and every spring we would drive by that and she would just go, oh, and just be in awe of all these flowers that seemingly came from nowhere. So if there are daffodils, I'll get daffodils. Um, but being a florist before also, I've been a florist and I've worked in the restaurant industry. I know that um, the sap of daffodils can be toxic to other flowers. And so if you put them in an arrangement with other things, it can cause the other things to die faster. And so sometimes I'll just get daffodils by themselves. But she also really liked the color pink. And that's something that I more or less avoid. I like green and gray and black and white. I'm a very like simple, mostly neutrals person. But so for Mother's Day, I'll often do some combination of like bright yellow, bright pink, bright purple, like all of these really pretty like magenta colors that she liked to wear a lot. Um, and then just kind of whatever I look to look at, whatever I can afford at the moment comes home with me too. So it's a neat amalgamation of like the things that I really like and the things that I remember her liking. And so it's a 
process of like blending both of us into one floral bouquet, which is really neat. Oh, that's cool. That's so special too to to have that. And because flowers are so beautiful, and it's like in those moments when you sit by it. Because I think a lot of people would buy flowers and give it to their their mom and leave, or or maybe just buy mm-hmm. flowers. But you're buying the flowers, and it's almost like you said, it's like a, it's a symbol. And I wouldn't doubt. Do you like like once you buy it? Do you like sit with it? Like do you like just like be with the flowers and like look at it, or is it something you buy and then just do other things throughout the day? Well, if you want to hear something really funny, last year um, when I went to the pizza place, they saw that I had this big uh, wrapped bouquet of flowers and they said, do you want some water for those? And I said, sure. And so they brought over a wine sleeve, which is like a tall silver cylinder and they'd filled it halfway with water and they actually dropped the bouquet down in there. So I literally was sitting in the window of this pizza place at a two seater table with me in one seat and this bouquet of flowers sitting in the seat across from me. So it looked like I was having lunch with a bouquet of flowers. (laughs) So now I'm curious. So now when you made the when you made the reservation, you obviously made it for one. So they weren't <laughs> expecting somebody to sh- to come show up with you, were they? Mm-mm, no. Okay. <laughs> That's pretty funny. I like that. But yeah, I think there's something about sitting with that and just sitting with the memory of your mom and why you bought the flowers and just taking that time. I think there's something special about I think that's what the holidays for. It's reminding us of who was in our lives or who is still in our lives and what that means, you know, what that meant for us to be where we are today. And that's when I look at, you know, Mother's Day. That's how I look at it. It's like, how did I get here? Oh, right. My mom was a big part in that. And to be very grateful. And like, unlike those people at the flower shop who are just ungrateful that they had to spend money on their, on their own mother. <laughs> um, it's about just, I think, sitting with the gratitude of you know the sacrifices they make for us to get to where we are and you know I know there's a lot of sacrifices now I have friends that are having kids there's so many sacrifices that you know moms make that you know we just never know because yeah. really by the time we do know we like we're more independent um but there's so much stuff that we just don't know except you know now we know a little bit about Darwin's life and how much he put his mom through but other than that <laughs> 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 no man I'm, 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 I'm telling you she was I, it, no but, your alcohol <laughs> yeah. hey man well, there, you know what there wasn't a whole lot of that in the house but no she was I, I think the biggest thing that I can recall about my mother is well at least at home when my father was living she was sort of the glue that kept everything together she was a person who was selfless so she quit her own job to help my father pursue his entrepreneurial spirit when it came to helping solve or get through whatever type of family disputes we may have had. She seemed to always be the calming voice that would be able to bring everybody, all parties together to come to some type of amicable uh, solution or resolution. So, I mean, yeah, I, she was a lot more than I, I um, made her out to be. But like I said, she was completely selfless. And, you know, after my father died, she did everything that was necessary to make sure I had everything I needed. You know, and she made it very clear that I would never have probably everything I wanted, but she'd make sure I had everything I needed. And, um, yeah, she kept that promise. So that's, that's how I remember mom, somebody who became a provider, was selfless, uh, to family and 
she would do anything for you. And you had a special episode with her. What episode was that? Oh That's God. I, I have to look that up. I'll be able to tell you in a minute. That's one of my favorite episodes of dealing with my grief. Cause I, I love hearing, A, I love he- hearing people talk to their relatives, but B, I just love hearing what other people sound like. Cause it's kind of like, um, corporate radio personalities. You like hear them think, you know what they look like. And then you see them in person. You're like, that's not what I thought you'd look like at all. And so it was interesting to hear Darwin talk about his mom for so many episodes prior and then to hear her voice and like, Oh, I think that's exactly what I thought your voice would sound like. And it was just so much fun to listen to. It's one of my favorite episodes of dealing with my grief. Yeah, me too. Like she was really funny. And I, that's what really caught me how funny she was i was like oh man like it's just like wow it's such a cool feeling because you feel like you know like for me i felt like i knew darwin a little bit more now just because of hearing his mom talk to him and that sort of the conversation they had together like that back and forth well she was really practical too she was like well that's just how we did it and then it was done and i was like okay (laughs) i'm on board hey (laughs) she was she was putting on the show she knew she was being recorded (laughs) (laughs) You would think I would know when I had my mother on my own show. I don't remember my episode numbers for what it's worth. Oh, 95. There episode you go. 95. So check that out, everyone, if you want to hear a conversation uh, with his mom. It's, it was really good. And I think, too, like a Mother's Day. Do you do you ever listen, go back and listen to that episode, Darwin? Um, yes. Actually, I have listened to the unedited version of that show. What do you uh, mean? That There's conversation. more? What do you mean? Yes, <laughs> Who did yes, you take is. out? <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. Um, yeah, I've I've listened to that that conversation, the unedited, unedited conversation between us, probably about four or five times now. And I've had to make a conscious decision to stop listening to it, only because the more I listen to it, the more I want, and I have to sort of make sure that I can begin the process of or continue the process of actually healing from her loss and listening to that so much, I thought sort of got in my way. So I'll go back and I'll revisit it, but I've got just got to separate myself from it for a little bit. And even the episode that I released the morning after she passed, um, I think I listened to about half of that episode. I haven't even listened to, to the whole thing. I think I listened to like the first four or five minutes of it and I just had to stop listening to it. And again, I'll revisit that at some point in time in the future. That's something that's really tricky and comes up a lot also this is where i go back to where i describe grief being wonky around mother's day is sometimes i'll have these it's like it captures me out of nowhere but i go on these quests to find any shred of my mom that i can possibly find and so i'm on her memorialized facebook page and looking up obituaries and searching on youtube for sandy Forsyth, even though i know that there can't have been any new videos uploaded in the you know past six years she's been gone and i Unfortunately, when I switched my phone over in 2015, I lost all the voicemails that I had saved on my phone. And so she, her voice disappeared along with that, along with like the last happy birthday she ever sang to me, et cetera, et cetera. And what's hard for me is that I'm up in Chicago, but I was born and raised down in North Carolina. So all of the the old photos, the home videos, you know, anything that might have a shred of her voice on it is at home at the house house, which is what I call it. And so I feel like I'm operating on on peanuts up here sometimes. But every now and then I'll get possessed by something that's like, you have to find every single piece of evidence that existed that she was alive in the world, whether it's photos or 
I have one video of her and my dad on an airplane somewhere once. And she said like two words in it and then they, the video cut off. But yeah, I have these things that'll possess me sometimes. And then most of the time I'm like, not, it's not that I'm okay without it, but I forget to go looking for it or I just don't feel a need for it. But yeah, especially when Mother's Day rolls around, I feel like I just don't have enough materials. I know you can't see me, but I'm moving my hands like I'm grabbing something. <laughs> I, I feel like I just don't have enough materials to work with. I'm able to hug her and sit across the table from her and like drink a glass of wine with her. Those are the things that can't happen. And so whenever I do that, go searching for her, I, I rarely feel better when I do that. I almost kind of feel worse because I, I get that feeling again and again of, of there's just not enough here. There's not enough material to work with. Yeah, it's very interesting when you start looking, talking about that, right? And, you know, do I continue to listen to stuff or don't I? I think it's an individual process and people have to figure it out on their own, right? Like what helps them as they move forward? And sometimes feeling sad isn't a bad thing um, if we're avoiding the sadness. Sometimes it just needs to come out, you know? Like anytime we, you know, like when I remember my, my loved ones, you know, like that, that's sad and I have to go there sometimes. And I think the videos really would really prong that out or any kind of audio. It pulls out something even more than maybe like a photo or, yeah. or something else. Yeah, there's something about just seeing them and seeing the mannerisms that just triggers so much stuff that right. just comes out that, you know, sometimes we don't even know that it's even there for people who've lost, you know, like people that's been years and you get to that moment, you see it and all of a sudden it comes out like it's there. It sometimes needs, needs to come out. So Darwin, like coming up now, your first Mother's Day without your mom, you know, being around, what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you have any kind of feelings or, or are you anxious at all for that day? Um, you know what? No, at least, well, you know, I say that now because I'm, I'm not there yet. I, the bigger day for me, I think was, well, last Wednesday, a week ago from today, which was the first anniversary of my father's death that I've had to face alone. That would be a day that we would always talk in length. And she would sort of help me walk, walk me away from that emotional ledge that I would be on uh, from that day. Because uh, being in that store and being, I guess, an active participant in trying to save my father's life and trying to process everything that's going on, nobody else knows what I've seen or what I've been through. And she was the only person. So I think, and also, for me, I have now been, man, away from my mother physically for a lot longer than I was with her. I've lived away from home now, from St. Louis, for, man, the better part of probably, what, 30-plus years, 35 years now almost, leaving home when I was 17. So we talked more than I actually got a chance to see her. So having talked to her every day in the last year of her life, it's just weird waking up and just not making that phone call. And I don't know if Mother's Day is going to make that any worse because, again, I'm still just getting adjusted to it, even six months later, of just not having that 20-minute or 30-minute conversation, you know, in my day. So, I, again, that's going to be something I'm going to have to play by ear. I, I have no idea how I'm going to feel, but I think, I think the worst of what I've had to experience is behind me, hopefully. Yeah, how was that day actually when it came? Was it because remember you're you're saying that before and you're almost fearing that day when your mom wasn't around for the anniversary well, trigger you as much as you thought? Yeah, that was a weird day. So I put out that I was actually going to go to mass because usually if I was at home, 
uh, or back in St. Louis, or we were together on that day, whether she was here, because a lot of times she would come visit me in DC on Easter, or um, if I just happened to be home around the time of that anniversary, we would always go to church. So my plan was to go to noon mass at a church, a Catholic church that is literally right around the corner from my office. But when I got there, they had posted on the door that they were not having a daily mass that week. And they had noted that, you know, if you'd been following things in our bulletin, you'll know that we're not going to have mass this week. And I'm like, okay, well, this is not my normal parish. I don't read your bulletin every week. And immediately my first thought was, (laughs) and I kid you not, because now I laugh about it, but I I just sat there and I thought to myself, what did I do in my life that not even God wants to talk to me now? And it was just (laughs) like, and I was like, I can't, I can't, I cannot believe this is happening to me. I cannot believe this is happening to me right now. The one place I thought I would be able to go, I can't go. And so I just sat on the steps, man, for about 15 minutes. And and literally, the only thing that went through my mind was, what did I F up now that not even God wants to talk to me? So, and I got a chuckle from that because I immediately went to lunch afterwards. And, you know, the thing sort sort of calmed down and settled down for me. And the one thing that I sort of live by now is that whenever I think about talking to my mother, I just have to sort of go back into all the different conversations that we had and realize that whatever she was going to tell me, she's already had to say to me. And I just have to now tell myself those things. So uh, again, it's just baby steps, man. Yeah, it's amazing how we have these plans and just sometimes they just don't work out, right? But I'm glad that you... You, you're able to sit with that and you can laugh at it now, but I can imagine at the moment you're really frustrated. Uh, yeah, I was. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing more frustrating than pulling on the door of a church and it not opening. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? <laughs> you would think <laughs> since heaven's doors are always, I would think. <laughs> But I was, I mean, I was, and I really wish I had videotaped this moment because now I can, I can see it running in my head, but nobody's going to believe either what I said or what I was thinking, or even just the look on my face, you know, when I pull that door and it just didn't open. Then I look up to see a sign. It's like, oh, we're closed today and the rest of this week. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. So yeah, hopefully we'll see as you sort of move forward uh, on Mother's Day, if, if what comes up, but I'm glad you're able to make it through the, that big day and you're here to talk about it. And you had some, you said like, there's some chuckles about it like afterwards, but you know, as you said, I like how you were saying, you know, your mom said everything she's needed to throughout your life. And it's about processing that, remembering that and sitting with that. It's like, what more could she have gave and gave you, you know, where you are right now? And now it was just, it was about being together. It wasn't about her teaching you anything per se anymore. It's about being together and valuing each other for, you know, what you gave each other. And I think that's, you know, like a mother's day, it's, it's definitely one-sided since, uh, since it's like you, you know, giving the gratitude to your mom, giving, giving her a gift. Um, but I think too, the mom needs to be acknowledged. I think here too, is that the holiday itself must make them feel better. I think in the sense of they're getting appreciated in the, in moments that they maybe said, as we were talking before it, maybe like a lot of times they don't get appreciated. So it was those moments that they just get reminded that, you know, they're loved. And I got a story I want to share. It was about two years ago. I 
just out of because I remember building like those macaroni cards for my mom as a kid. And I was living with her at the time. I said, you know, I want to do something nice for her this year. But I'm like, I don't want to buy her a card because I've done that. You know, it's kind of boring. So why don't I become a child again <laughs> and make her a macaroni card? So that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and she uh, it was funny because she's like into organics, like 100 percent. If it's not organic, she won't need it. So I use organic noodles and I, and I wrote in the card that this, this card is 100% organic. <laughs> and then I was just, and I said, I love you. And I gave her the card and, you know, like she opened it, laughed and then, but she started to cry. And I was like, wow, like just me saying, I love you is like, you forget, you know, like, so she forgot. I was like, wow. So I can only imagine on this day when mothers who have lost maybe sons or daughters, they don't have that. They don't, they don't get that card or that thing that says that they're loved. And I think that's something too to acknowledge on in this episode that there's also those, those people out there that will have these triggers on mother's day too. Yeah. I can't even imagine how that would feel. You know, I know coming from a child who's lost a parent, I can see that angle. But I, I, I couldn't even begin to imagine how it would feel to have buried a child and then have to go through this. And, and not to say that there's any difference between people who have lost their only child or people who have lost one of maybe multiple children that they've had. It's got to be excruciating. But I, 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 can't, I can't imagine having to walk through a grocery store, watch all the commercials, or whatever, I, I I have no idea what that feels like. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to this entirely either, but from having guests on the show who have lost children, it's, I don't know, it's like walking on thorns all day. Because for as much as we have the experience of seeing all these ads and seeing the card aisle and looking at the flowers and stuff, and don't forget mom, uh, we have that pang for somebody who, I mean was older than us. And that's quote unquote, the order of things. There's this pervasive mentality that your child dying before you is not how the world should work. And I think that like doubles down on the sting of Mother's Day. Um, because often when you lose a child, especially if it's an old, the identity, does the identity of mother still fit? Can I still call myself a mother if I have no child to mother any longer, if death has taken my child or my child has died or, or what have you? So, so yeah, um, I, I can only ponder that on a philosophical level. I have not lived that life in those shoes. Something that I see that has been helpful or at least interesting to the people who are a part of it is something called I think it's called Grieving Mother's Day, Motherless Mother's Day, something along those lines. There's a couple of different grief organizations that put these together, a couple of podcast guests as well from coming back. There's one uh, named Alicia Forneray who does Motherless Mother's Day. And then I believe either What's Your Grief or the Modern Loss Group does something like, uh, like grief mother's day where they match people who have lost a mom with moms who have lost children a half hour during the day on mother's day to just call each other and share your lost stories and how crappy the day is. And then you hang up and it helps you feel like you're not alone and kind of resenting 
the fact that your life doesn't necessarily look like what it would look like on that holiday. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm wondering now, like what kind of tips or, or words do you guys have for those listening that may have either lost uh, a mother or, or won't have their child around? Hmm. My biggest is always to make some kind of a plan. And again, it's not so, it's not so you have something to accomplish. It's that you have something to shoot for. It's like, okay, if nothing else, I'm going to buy flowers and get a pizza. Whether it's flowers from the grocery store and pizza I get delivered to my house because I can't leave. I just can't bring myself to leave. So be it. Uh, or if I pull out all the stops and go to the flower shop myself and whip up a bouquet and then go out to a nice Italian place or whatever, like it, what you actually end up doing is energetic. Like you wake up in the morning and kind of decide how much am I actually going to be able to accomplish today, but to plan ahead of like in an ideal universe, given the fact my mother has died, what would I really like to do on this day and getting as, as close as you can and then forgiving yourself if you don't get as far as you would like to have gone. I know a lot of listeners of my show will go to a grave site and that'll be the one thing that they want to do that day or, you know, have a family dinner with remaining family members or call a friend and say their mom's name out loud at least once. I mean, they can be small things that require no money, practically no time that you can just say, okay, if I have this one thing in place and I know my friend is going to be there with me or I'm going to be there for myself or my family's going to be there with me to share in these memories. It almost, it decreases that anxiety of what am I going to do on mother's day? Because then it's like every possibility is available to you, but also the lack of every possibility is available to you. So just to kind of funnel down or narrow down, like if this day for as crappy as it is for this day to go exactly how I'd want it to go, what would that look like? And then you, and then you just try and get as close as you can and acknowledge that it's grief. And then acknowledge also that like, like Darwin was mentioning, like you're going to wake up on Monday and it'll be over. And then in my mind, I'm like, okay, good. I don't have to deal with that again for another 365 days. Um, so it, it's, it's 24 hours of your life. You've already been through the worst thing. So if you're planning for kind of an aftershock event after the worst thing in an ideal world, what would you like to do? Well, and for me, I'm sort of big on two things. Uh, one is communication, and then two is honoring the person that is not there anymore. So in so many situations where I've been since my mother's passed away, people sort of walk on eggshells when either my mother's name is mentioned or even from my father's name for that matter now. But since we're talking about mothers, whenever my mother's name is mentioned, it's like, no, you can talk about her, you know, tell as many stories as you want. Just because she's not here doesn't mean I can't laugh, doesn't mean I can't enjoy somebody else's perspective of her because I'm now getting, and always when people talk about her, I get insights to her that I didn't know because you had a different relationship with that person. And I would also say, do whatever makes you feel comfortable. For me personally, not necessarily a big crowd people, but I am, I'd like to be around people person. So I'm not one to typically want to be home or be home alone. And my family doesn't just doesn't operate that way either. We're typically always together on these big major holidays. And in some way, they always find a way to acknowledge those people who are not there, not just my mother, but my mother's lost another sister. Uh, there's my grandmother. So all these people get acknowledged so that people who are coming up that maybe didn't know her, like the younger generations, they have something that we can talk about, or at least some acknowledgement that this person actually existed. 
So for me, if you don't have that, again, I find comfort in people. Maybe there's something or some place you can go so that you are not alone, but you can also empathize or have empathy from those people who are going through a similar experience. One of the one of the reasons I like talking to you all or now the people that I've started to interview on my show is just I find that in talking about this, there's a certain comfort level in having a discussion with somebody who can empathize what you're going through and to know that you or that other person is not alone in what you're feeling. And sometimes that can make all the difference in the world, especially when you're missing the person that you're supposed to be able to talk to. I, I, again, I don't know if you can find that wherever you happen to be, but for me, man, it's just all about community, all about people, and just simply being with people who can empathize what you're going through. So if you need to mentally or emotionally check out, they'll let you do that. They understand why. No judgment, no wrong, no right. That just happens to be the way that it is. Yeah, I think that's great. Great words of advice uh, for those people. Yeah, you know, like I, uh, like I, I only have lost my father. Haven't lost my mother yet. Uh, that day will come one day. But yeah, it's you know, for me on Mother's Day, I'm gonna actually sit with the fact and what Mother's Day truly is. You know, a little bit more. And I think that's what I'm getting from you guys too. Is not just you know, like hey, your mothers have died, but like, what does it mean? to this to knowing that this may be the last one that I have with my mom and, and and to make it special and to just you know be grateful for who she's turned me into be like turned me into as an individual and to reflect on that a little bit more so I can give the words of gratitude to her that are genuine it's not just here's a dollar here's a card from the dollar store I know you won't I know you're supposed to give this to you but no like really like what does it mean to be a mom and I look at the impact of both your moms on both of you and how much they met, you know, and that that says a lot to sort of who they were and helping you form your identity on how you see the world and, and the love that you have. So, you know, man, so I really appreciate you guys, you know, coming on the podcast and talking about this because silly, it makes me reflect on my own relationship with my mom that's still living and to do the best I can to continue to honor her now because, as I said, like, those times fade fast but honoring her i guess is the message for and that's what you guys were saying too is, is taking right. that time asking for support from people and i guess too like a good thing to say too if you know someone who has lost a mother and just check in on them and see you know is this a hard day for them or not uh that's i forget to do that sometimes you know and i have a podcast but uh, at the end of the day i would think i would like that what do you guys think like what do you guys want on mother's day from your friends if you could actually get them to do something <laughs> well i guess I, I you know i really don't know because mother's day is not about me you know what i mean i know that for the time that i wasn't home or haven't been with my mother on mother's day that she would always go out with um, a sister or a couple of her sisters depending on what they would plan with a couple of cousins of mine I don't necessarily think that people need to do anything for me. I think I need to be proactive in reaching out to the women in my life who had some type of influence on me growing up. So it would be my aunts and, um, you know, anybody else. So I don't think there's anything anybody needs to do for me. I think I need to do for other people now. I feel the opposite of that. <laughs> oh, that's just, just me. 
this is so maybe it's a guy thing I, maybe yeah. it's gendered maybe it's not um it also it also might be an age thing because i i lost my mom when i was 21 so i felt like i wasn't done yet right where uh, darwin said earlier that he feels like his mom got to teach him everything that he needed to know and now it's just a matter of remembering it like i feel the opposite like i there's so much i know that like i never got to know my mom as an adult and so there was so much more that she had in that bank that I didn't get to absorb before she died and and I don't know maybe I revel too much in the identity of being a girl with a dead mom but also for most of my friends their moms are still living and so for them to be talking about what they're doing for Mother's Day or calling their moms or what have you it's it's still painful to be around um, and I'm not you know I'm not requesting that everyone ever in the entire world be sensitive to me and what I'm going through. Um, but especially from my close friends, like even just getting a text first thing in the morning of like, Hey, I know this day is really hard and I'm thinking about you. And for me to have no obligation to respond whatsoever is like really, really awesome. And for me to be able to do that for friends of mine too, who have lost moms as well to kind of just like, Hey, I see you. Hey, I see you. This is hard. I see you. It's 24 hours. We'll get through this is is just really helpful and i'm i'm kind of the opposite too in that i kind of prefer to spend most of my day alone on mother's day because i feel like i can sense her presence more when i'm by myself as opposed to being in a big room of people and a lot of times i kind of especially when i'm grieving or like really tuned into how hard a day can be i can get sensory overload and so i would rather just like be able to for lack of better phrasing kind of disappear and go off the grid for Mother's Day, but just to have people have their eyeballs on me in some fashion of like, hey, I know this is hard, you know, hi, I see you. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's interesting too, as you said, like just be, just with the two of you, you see the differences in, in how people grieve and cope and what and the triggers and what they do. And, you know, this is life. And that's why it's always good to ask you know, if, if we need it to support you or not and what we need to do. So I know I'm off the hook with uh, Darwin. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> You're on your own, buddy. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> what a riot. Oh. That's funny. All right. So you guys have uh, any last words before we hit the last question? Yeah, I do actually. And I have to apologize to Shelby for what I'm about to say because it took me too long to say it. As with Joshua and Sean, you all reached out to me basically the day of or the day after my mother passed away. And I had, you know, very loving conversations from the two of you. But Shelby's podcast and my podcast released on the same day. And again, it was sort of odd for me to wake up the day after my mother's, after my mother passed to listen to grief podcasts but what Shelby had done and I know the type of work the hard work that goes into this and having to either re-engineer a show or to putting a recording where she gave you know my mother's passing two to three minutes and a minute of silence you know however long she talked it might have been a four minute thing altogether I know that that took a lot of work and a lot of effort and I've never reached out to Shelby to tell her how much I appreciated that and um I, I, I greatly appreciate everything that, that, that all of you've done, but I just thought that that was just so amazing to take the time out 
to recognize myself, but more importantly, my mother. So um, I would just like to publicly thank you for that. So thanks, Shelby. Oh, that's so sweet. And I, I have to say, I mean, because Josh and I were talking earlier about being able to hear your mom on the show, I felt so much more connected to her after hearing her voice and hearing how much influence she had on your life, especially after the loss of your dad. And for me to, you know, have lost my mom too. I'm like, it's, you guys are my voice. Like my, my fellow grief casters in the world. And um, when you guys have your own losses, it's, it's really neat for us to be able to support each other in that. And it just, it just showed up on my heart. as like, I got to put this in here. So thank you. That's really kind. Yeah, it was beautiful. I remember listening to episode two uh, that Shelby had. And I'm like, wow. And it just, it warmed my heart. Cause you're right. Like you start seeing the support people have within the podcasting world. And I think that our shows, all three of our shows are really amazing at helping support other people that don't have opportunity to do this every day like we do which is such a gift we have a voice for the world um and to bring people on and, and do these interviews for them like i know how much that means to them that what what we're doing here and so yeah at the end of the day um i want to thank both of you too for the support you've given us as a podcast and me individually on just you know being my friend and you know talking about my dad because at the end of the day I don't know if you guys you guys might know or might not know that not many people ask about them and that's a sad thing even being in a research field like this or you know doing the dream stuff or have the podcast it's really about other people and that's what darwin you're almost on that road already just about your aunts about everyone else but it's like it's sometimes nice to sit back and to to feel loved and to feel remembered and that's what you know like your episode shelby really gave darwin and i like that and i want more of that personally that just that say hey you know like i know i remember and you're like oh wow you do you know like that's amazing because mm -hmm. i remember and, and you know like i don't know if everyone's like that but i know you know, maybe need a, a big conversation but yeah just a text or a message to say you know like, i remember that someone you love isn't here and like that means the world because you realize they're not forgotten either from well that person's mind and, and, and full disclosure um i actually have that episode saved on my phone and i, I can tell you that probably once a month since my mother's passed, I, I've actually listened to that. So that's, that's where that's, all those download numbers are coming from. That's that's, <laughs> that's 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 how powerful that was, and that's and that's no joke. That that's all truth, and it's all love, and it's all from the heart. But I tell you, I've probably listened to that at least once a month since she's passed. And I know the day that that happened, I probably listened to think about ten times. Um, but yeah, I it's I, I can't I can't explain how powerful it is to meet people and receive love from people that I know, but I don't know. And if you know what I mean, but to be in a space where people acknowledge what you're doing, it's just a powerful thing. I can't even put it into words, but um, yeah. So to all three of you, I have nothing but love and respect for everything you guys do and uh, just keep doing it. Well, Josh, I wonder uh, if it's possible when you go in to edit this episode to add in like a 60 second pause right here for honoring all of the the moms that are gone, the moms who've lost children who are kind of leading up to or like holding their breath leading up to this Mother's Day. Yeah, we could do that for That'd sure. Be cool. So let's just take a second right now. The three of us, uh, Josh, Darwin and myself will all hold space as grievesters, as 
people who have lost mothers are anticipating it in the future who love mothers, uh, but who are children as well. So for anyone who has lost a mother and is anticipating this Mother's Day, or if you've lost a child and you're kind of holding your breath this time of year, this next 60 seconds we are holding in space for you. Thank you so much, guys. I think that was perfect. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, it's nice to to sit with that and to give your time this time for yourself to sit with that. I think that's very important. It's very important. As much as we like to be busy and stay busy, you know, these sixty seconds can mean can mean the world to us. Uh, so thank you, Shelby, for for doing that. And so as we wrap up the podcast, uh, we always have one question we love to ask our guests. <laughs> And so you guys already know what it is. Darwin has already done this ten times. <laughs> if I have to do this again, you need to, you need to give me a t-shirt. <laughs> you gotta do it eleven. Eleven times you get one free. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to do this a little differently though. Instead of asking each and every one of you to make a dream, if you guys could have a shared dream together, and your mom's could meet each other what would that look like to you oh uh instantly they're eating custard oh my mom was a fan of ice cream also but ice cream and custard are two different things which i wholly acknowledge so my mom would have totally been on board with the uh the custard movement well and for me personally i'm a steak and potatoes person so it would have been uh some type of fancy meal at whatever restaurant uh, would have been well some like some kind of high class restaurant followed by um custard <laughs> so, so i like this i like this so you guys will have so the the dream the shared dream because you'll get to meet her mother and she'll also get to meet your mother you guys are at a dinner table together the four of you and there's steaks for dinner and you have for dessert you guys it's custard i like that what restaurant well, would you guys want to be in you know what I, and i don't know if they are nationwide but i don't know how many cities they're in there's a restaurant uh here in dc called a capital grill which is a pretty high-end restaurant oh sure so, we've got one in chicago yeah so it would probably be yeah at the capital grill and, and can i just add one other thing to that yeah. what i would probably ask shelby's mother is to tell me something about shelby that nobody else knows <laughs> so 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 yeah so yeah so to set it up perfectly yeah there would be a meal dessert but then i'd also want to know or ask her that one question what what do what what what's something that nobody knows about shelby that she divulged 
So that's funny. I wonder what she would say because racking my brain, I'm like, I don't know. I would look at her suspiciously and be like, "What beans are you about to spill right now?" <laughs> Careful, we're in public. <laughs> that's a riot. That's perfect. Oh, that's funny. And would you say anything to his mom, Shelby? Oh yeah, I would. You know what I'd say? I'd probably, I'd probably look her straight in the eyes and say, "You know, you raised a good one." And she would probably take umbrage with that, but thank you very much. <laughs> She'd probably tell some story about that stolen bicycle or <laughs> who was out behind the house. That's <laughs> um, funny. That's great. I think this microphone into my house and insisted we have a conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah. So. She was a little hesitant at first, but once she got started, I couldn't stop her. Yeah, my mom would be that way too. We'd close the place down because my mom is very chatty. That's funny. Oh, that's funny. That's really good. I like that. I like that dream. Hopefully, you guys have that dream. That'd be so cool if you did. <laughs> you gotta let me know. <laughs> let me know some gossip on Shelby if you do. <laughs> yeah, right. On the exclusive episode of dealing with my grief, I am spilling the dirt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be priceless. That's funny. All right. So, guys, so uh, if you want to shout out your handles and where people can find you, uh, Darwin, first, you want to shout your stuff out? Yeah, sure. Uh, you can find the podcast uh, Dealing With My Grief at dealingwithmygrief.com where you can subscribe. And I'm also located in pretty much any podcast directory that uh, you might be listening to uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it, I'm there. But uh, you can get to that and all the social media handles at dealingwithmygrief.com. Beautiful. I'm going to ask you, Darren, uh, I, I've made a meme recently about you. Do you like when I make memes of stuff you say on your podcast? <laughs> oh, wait a second. Is this something that you have not, is this something that you have not published yet? <laughs> I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. No, 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 no. Is this something that you haven't have not published yet? Because I've seen all of them. Is no, this something that I haven't seen yet? No, I, I haven't published it yet, but I was just wondering, do you like when I do that stuff? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the last one was, was sort of pushing the boundaries a little bit. but <laughs> the, the rock bottom? Oh, that was yes, so that funny. One. Yes, yeah. that one. Yes, that one. But not a line. I, I find, yeah, the last one was humorous, but not a line. All right, I'm cool. thick skin. Keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shelby. Uh, uh, you want to show your uh, your handles and, and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can find Coming Back Conversations on Life After Loss literally everywhere that you can find podcasts. My social media, email address, contact information, all that jazz is at shelbyforsythia.com. That's Shelby like the car and Forsythia like the flower. I did that on purpose. .com. And I will let you know that I just launched weekly grief journaling prompts over on my Patreon page. So if you like the podcast, you want to throw a couple bucks our way, uh, you can unlock weekly grief prompts that I'm releasing every single Monday morning. So if you'd like to to write out your grief with a community of people who are also grieving, it's a really cool space to be in uh, that's exclusive to coming back in the show. So it's it's really neat. And uh, just holding space for all of you this Mother's Day and space for myself too. It's, it's a biggie. That's beautiful. Yes, check out their stuff. It, it's great. They're great people. You know it. They keep coming back on because 
well, I don't want to say because they're great because everyone's great that we have on the show, <laughs> but you guys are in our special circle of people that you know, we love so much on what you guys are doing for everyone else who is also grieving and trying to find their way through these holidays and through this crazy life that has so much suffering and so much grief, a part of it. And we just do our best. And I'm glad you guys are out there doing this. because There's not a lot of other people that are doing this stuff uh, with podcasts. So, you know, once again, thank you guys for being you opening up on the podcast and taking your time to just help the world. Thank you for having us, Joshua. I do appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, uh, wrap up with our stuff. You know the deal, griefdreams.ca. That's it, that's all. With love and gratitude <laughs> from us to you. Bye. introduced myself you have introduced yourself this is a very good conversation